0: This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. This episode is brought to you by Physician CEO. Finally, a business program for busy doctors just like you. Get the skills of branding, marketing, entrepreneurship, and combine those with your gifts as a physician. Be known as a doc outside the box and define your future. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward D-O-T-B.
1: Welcome to Doc's Outside the Box podcast. This is your official show. Looking inside the minds of cutting edge and innovative doctors. Think you'll find these stories in any medical textbook? Sorry. You're getting real life insight from men and women pushing the envelope beyond medicine. Ordinary doctors doing extraordinary things. Let's start now with your host, Dr. Nee Darko.
0: What's good, everyone? This is Doctor Nee. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us on day three of the Docs Outside the Box Virtual Summit. And I've got a special interview for you. Really excited about this one. So, I'm gonna ask y'all a question. Like, are we really supposed to be working all the way till we're in our mid 60s, possibly even to our 70s, and then kind of spend the next maybe 10, 15 years retiring, playing golf? I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound too attractive to me and there is a growing amount of people who feel the same way. There's this growing movement of individuals, of couples, who are chucking deuces to that old way of thinking, and they are retiring in their 40s. Some are even retiring even earlier than this. And this is called being financially independent, retiring early, also known as FIRE, F-I-R-E, and it's a movement. And I'm just going to say it's safe to say that When you're joining this movement, if you're going to be a part of this movement, it requires not just discipline, but also a huge change of mindset, which is why I included it as one of the sessions for this summit. And my next guest, their names are Christina and Amon Browning, who recently on their popular YouTube channel announced that they retired in their early 40s. Now, they called all the way in from Lisbon, Portugal. That's where they're retiring at. And they have called to let us know about the nuts, the bolts of the mindset and lifestyle changes necessary to reach this feat. So once they got their minds settled on not wanting to work forever, right? Let's be honest, we've all been there. I've been there, right? We've all thought at one point that being at work, sometimes you feel like there's really more to just being at work. There's really more to life than this, right? So they put their heads together as a couple and they made some moves, including saving 70% of their income making smart decisions with real estate, we talked about that in day two, as well as having a quote unquote can do mentality. And to top it off, I'm going to say this right now, if you have not discovered their YouTube channel, then you are missing out. Their videos are amazing. I find them to be really educational, down to earth, and they even show us their own accounts so you can see the actual real-time results that they're getting. And I love how open they are. They work as a couple. They include each other in decisions. And they've also included their family, which is their two daughters. And docs, if you're thinking like, you know, there's something special about them, no. This couple did it as federal workers on federal salaries. So with proper intention, with proper discipline, you can do it also. And last but not least, they recently dropped their own FIRE workbook. So Financially Independent retire early workbook that they created on their own. And this is the bomb. This is a step-by-step guide to getting to the same place that they did, maybe even more. And I'm giving away a bunch of copies. But first, you got to be signed up to the summit. Make sure you go to the website, www.dotbsummit.com. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a special one. Make sure you share this with others. And without further ado, I present Christina and Amon Browning with Our Rich Journey. Let's get it. Christina and Amon from Our Ridge Journey. Welcome to Docs Outside the Box. What's up? Was good? Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you for having us.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. We are so excited to speak with you guys.
0: You guys are excited. We're excited. And first, we just wanted to say congratulations. You are the first family that we've had that has achieved financial independence and has retired early at such an early age. So I wanted to say congratulations to you for that. It's a huge feat. Oh,
1: thank you so much. It feels like we're still
0: in a dream. We can't even believe we're at this point. We have to pinch ourselves sometime. (laughs) And then also, I wanted to congratulate you all on being nominated for best YouTube channel with the Plutus Awards, as well as best real estate blog also, I believe also. So congratulations. And I think that just is a testament to not only what you guys did in terms of your hard work, but being able to look back and help other people and do it in a way that people can benefit from it. So congratulations. Thank you.
2: Yeah. We love sharing the story and just the journey with our story is so exciting, you know, to take our channel from starting a little over a year ago to what it is now and getting nominated for a Plutus Award is like, I feel like our
0: story is really resonating with people.
2: So it's so exciting to share everything.
0: I definitely would say so. And we got a lot that we want to parse through. I have Dr. Renee on the phone because we as a family, that's what we're wanting to get to also. And we're of similar ages, but I'm not gonna put Dr. Renee's age out there, but (laughs) we're of similar age, and we are very excited to kind of start this process, which I wanna ask you guys like, what is, or who had the thought process first to begin this process of financial independence, and where did this idea come from?
1: Well, you know, I think it was something that we had always been good stewards of money for, I would say, since we graduated from college. We were saving and investing, but we were doing it with no real direction. You know, we didn't really know what the end state was going to be. And then about eight years ago, we had an experience at work that just made us reflect on really why, you know, what we were doing with our money. It was from that experience that we said, we need to do something different. And we started thinking about how is it that we can create a life outside of work where maybe we don't even have to work. And so we started to think about this concept of investing in real estate and using that real estate income to supplement our expenses and then maybe... You know, not have to work and just be real estate investors. And so it started with this idea of becoming financially independent by using real estate. And as we started to go down this path, all of these other forms of developing income started to come up. But that's where it started. It started with us just being at work and just feeling like there was more to life than what we were involved in
2: at work. And I think Amon really opened this Pandora's box because, like you said, it was about eight years ago. And he said, I remember it too. He came to me and he was like, I want to retire before I'm 40. And it was like, really? I mean, that's just, people don't think like that. It's not like common to hear, oh, you're going to retire before 40, you know? And when he came to me, it was like, well, let's wrap our heads around this. Like, how do we make this happen, right? It's coming with this intention of, okay, we want to make something happen. How do we make it happen? It sounds completely insane. No one does this, right? No one retires, and never works right. again at 40. It's so uncommon, but it's embracing this thing that, you know what, we are going to go for it and we're just going to make it happen. So it was really Aman that brought it up and made this crazy harebrained idea that we could do it and we just made it happen.
0: Wow. It's pretty cool that you know Aman brought it up and then you actually tried to figure out the logistics behind how to do that. Aman, when you came up with the idea that you wanted to retire at the age of 40, Was that based off of anything? Was that just like a visceral feeling from work? Or is that like, well, I know that there are other people who are retiring this early. Tell us about that thought process.
1: That goes to the story of our experience at work. So I was at work and we were federal employees. And after working as a federal employee for so many years, you received this certificate. It's a service award, right? For 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 40 years. And I had gotten my service award for 10 (laughs) years, right? And they had this ceremony at the same ceremony, someone had received an award for 40 years. And so when they gave me my award, it was like nothing. It was like, here's your 10 years, it's nothing. And for me, 10 years was a big deal. So to just be kind of pushed off to the side for my 10 years, I remember sitting with a coworker and, you know, we were having this conversation about the award. And I said to him, man, if I'm still here when I'm 40, I messed up. I did something wrong. Now, And so to me, it was just a number. Right. But Christina has always been one of those people that I come up with these crazy ideas, but she puts together the practical steps. You know, so when I came home and said, we need to retire before we're 40, she was like, okay, let's figure out how to do it. Let's create a list, let's create a plan, and let's put it into action.
3: That's awesome. That sounds kind of like Dr. Nee and myself. (laughs) 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 He comes up with these hair brain ideas, and then I'm like, all right, let's see how we can make it happen.
2: Yeah. You know, and I think. That's such an important point because we get a lot of comments through Instagram, through our YouTube channel. People are like, how do you get on the same page? How do you make this happen? And to us, it's so important to be meshed in our ideas and to have these ideas where we're supporting each other because a could have easily come home and said, I want to retire before I'm 40. And I could have been like, that's crazy. You need to keep working. You know, you're the breadwinner. We have two children. That's not gonna happen. You know, so I think we are very fortunate in that we really support each other. We're not no people. We're like, how do we get to yes? How do we make it happen? And if Amon comes up with an idea, I'm supporting him with that. If I come up with an idea, then he's doing the same thing, supporting me, trying to figure out, okay, how do we make it happen?
0: Right. This sounds really familiar because that's how me and my wife we operate. Like I come up with the ideas or at least some of the sentiment of what I don't want to go through. And then she comes up with the actual, like she said before, the practical logistics of how it's going to happen. You know, I'm really interested, like, did this process start 10 years ago? Or give us the time range as to when you started to feel that way and then when you actually started to put, you know, pen to paper, take action and where you are right now.
1: So it started eight years ago, but our plan was actually a 10-year plan. Once we had run the numbers and figured out, basically based off of the returns that we could get, based on what we were investing in in real estate and stocks, it would take us about so long. But-
2: The process took eight years. Yeah. We thought it was going to take <laughs> 10 years, but the process took eight years. So like Amon said earlier, we really started with investing in real estate and we're from the Bay Area and we have invested in real estate before, but when we really became intentional about it, we were thinking, okay, we're going to start investing in the Bay Area where we are. We invested in San Diego before too. We're from California. And that was sort of what started this whole process of buying real estate. And just to put it out there, the Bay Area is very expensive in terms of real estate. So there's a big expense to get in, and then there's potentially a good profit for that too. But I think investing in real estate can translate to wherever you are. If you buy in an area that's not as profitable, then you're not investing as much money when you're going in. But one of the things that we did when we started investing in real estate is we were looking at property that no one else was looking at. And again, that's something of like, how do we get creative? How do we even get in the real estate market in the Bay Area where people are overbidding by $100,000 on properties? So we we started making this plan. Okay, so let's start off with real estate. How do we get in here? And it was looking at property that no one else was looking at. We're looking at property that had been sitting on the market for a long time, property that wasn't staged. you walk in and people are still living there and it just looks like not a warm space that you could see yourself living in. but Aman has this city and regional planning background, and he can visualize the most beautiful space out of what appears to be a dump, so people oh. walk into properties and it just looks like there's no way I can find myself living in this property and Aman will say. This is perfect. And yeah. it was just investing like that and learning how to flip properties in terms of making all these changes, renovating kitchens and living rooms, adding bathrooms, doing that all ourselves and then flipping profit or flipping these properties for a profit after living in them and then just snowballing it into multiple properties and then eventually taking the profit and putting it into
0: the stock market. Mm-hmm. Wow. And VTSAX is your favorite one.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vanguard VTSAX.
0: But really, there were
1: a number of things that we were doing all at once. I mean, we talk a lot about real estate, but we were kicking on all cylinders. I mean, we had reduced our expenses. We got really intentional about this plan. So yes, there was the make money side, but then there was also the save money side. And we talk about this in our videos, how we save 70% of our income. Well, that's because when we got intentional about meeting these goals, we knew that we had to come up with money from all these different resources. So we saved a lot of money by just being very intentional about how we spent money. We looked for opportunities to save money. And then when we were making money, it was that gap that we used to invest in real estate and invest in the stock market. It was all a number of things.
3: I mean, that's really impressive because I don't know if you Know our story, but we ended up paying off our student loan six hundred and sixty two thousand dollars over three years. Oh my goodness and that was one of the things that we actually did was you know try to be very intentional about how much we were saving, and that's where I think people oftentimes fall short, right because they realize that they have so many expenses that they think that they can't save, and so that becomes something that. It's just not an option for them. They, oh, I can't save that much. I have kids, I have the loans, I have, you know, whatever else going on. You know, I have this luxury car and I'm not willing to give it up. I think that's very impressive that you were able to save that much of your income. For us, it really did make a difference. I did want to ask you, you know, so that was eight years ago. I wanted to ask you before the eight years ago, like, let's go back to when you first met. What was the thought of what life would look like before you ever had a thought of, you know, the FIRE movement, retiring early, financially independent, what did you think life would look like?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting question because we were actually just talking about living abroad today and how that really came to us. Because when we met So I won't tell your full story, but Amon, he lived in Africa as a child for a couple of years. Mm. And I'm completely different. I didn't travel abroad or live abroad, see anything abroad until I was in grad school. Mm. So prior to grad school, I met Amon before grad school. And I had no concept of living abroad, working abroad, doing any of that, definitely not having kids abroad. So when we first met, it was like we've been in California. California's home. We moved to San Diego. That's home. And again, you know, what brought us overseas to move was Amon started looking for a job and got a job initially in Spain. And again, it's that whole thing of like, you know, we could have stayed in San Diego and just said, you know, this is too foreign for us. Or it was like, Amon was like, I think we should do this. We should do it. And it was like, okay, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Let's just right. go and see what happens. So I think, you know, when we first met, I had no clue that we would be where we are at today. I hadn't even seen the world. And now I'm like, this is exactly where we should be. This is where we need to be. This is perfect for
3: us.
0: Oh, that's awesome. What does your family say when they hear this? I mean, I'm assuming you guys are like the exceptions in your family where like you guys are going to different countries and now spending your entire time there. You told them this is going to be your lifestyle. What was their opinions? That's we got different reactions. Question. Yeah, <laughs> I think we got different reactions, but it's interesting how the
1: decisions that you make affect other people. So when we decided to first go overseas, we had gone to Spain and we spent a little bit of time in Spain, and then we went to Japan. And while we were in Japan, my mother passed away, and my father, you know, he really needed the family support. And I said, Dad, why don't you come to Japan and stay with us? So. My dad was in the Bay Area, he's a Bay Area native. And so this idea of coming to Japan, he hadn't considered it until you know we invited him over. And he came over, and that was 12 years ago, and my dad is still in Japan. Right? So Really? Are you serious? <laughs> yes. We have moved on to other parts of the world, but my father came to Japan and he created a whole new life there for him. And so that's just one example. But our family, from the decision that we made to go abroad, it brought my father over. My brother has lived in Japan for seven years. Christina's parents, who never even had a passport, they got a passport. They came to Japan. They went on to Spain. They've been all around the world. They go on an international trip almost every year. So yes, people were very skeptical when we were 22 years old. And we were like, we're quitting our good jobs. And we're going to go and try to find a job abroad in Spain. They were skeptical at first. They eventually joined us on this journey. It's been amazing.
3: Wow.
0: That's amazing. You know, I got a question now that you've been able to look back and you've been mentioning how real estate kind of started this whole process. If we were to ask you, like, what's been the biggest vehicle to your success? Has it been real estate? Has it been like just other side hustles? Or has it just been like the pure savings? What's been the biggest drive to get you to this point?
2: I think that's a good question. Because I mean, if you split it up, I'd say equally real estate in the stock market. But above all else, it's really mindset. We could have taken all our money, threw it into the market, taken all our money, thrown it into the real estate investments, or split it up. Either way, it really comes down to the mindset. Because if you embrace this idea that you can do something, and if you are tracking your goals, and you're moving towards your goals, and you're taking steps each time, and if something happens and you fall back, you keep moving forward again. It's really about people can do it either way. I mean, we have a video on find out what your preference is, what draws you to real estate, what draws you to the stock market, because it can be done either way, but it has to begin with the proper mindset that you can achieve what you want to achieve.
3: Yeah, I think that was a huge issue for us, right? It was, okay, the mindset, and I shouldn't say it was an issue, it wasn't an issue, but it definitely was a big factor. One of the questions that we got a lot was well should you pay off your student loans versus you know invest in the stock market and you know for us our mindset was that our student loans were a huge burden like they were a huge burden for us and without the ability to be able to just say you know what i don't have any debt right then we didn't feel comfortable being able to take certain risks And so that was really important for us. Did you find yourselves kind of, and I say this, like it's really a big risk because you guys went, you know, overseas and most people see that as a risk, but did you find that people kind of wanted to maybe talk you out of going overseas, taking those risks because of their own financial qualms? You know what I mean? Like they feel like, well, we have debt and, you know, so we wouldn't take that risk. Why would you take that risk? Yeah, I
2: think, you know, when Aman and I do something, we are so intentional about it. It's like, hey, we're doing this. We're not asking you whether we should do it. We're telling you we're doing it. And you can give us your opinion if you want, but we're doing it. Right. So it's just this idea is like we're not asking for permission. We're sharing our journey with you and we're going to tell you that we're doing it. And we hope that you'll you know be excited about it, which our family was excited to come visit us and do all these things. But really, it was like, you know, we have our own path. We don't look to the right. We don't look to the left. We don't say, oh, these people are doing this. We should do that. It's like we have our own path and we're going to move on our own path and we're going to do what's best for us. So we don't let people sort of interject and try and sway us one way or the other because we know where we want to go. And so we just go on that road together. Oh, wow.
0: Hey docs, there's a saying, if you don't have a seat at the table, then you're probably on the menu. Now's the time to define your future by being a part of the Physician CEO program. Physician CEO is a business immersion program developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. You're getting an intensive MBA style education made up of modules that cover topics like leadership, entrepreneurial ventures, and everybody's favorite, branding. And guess what? This program is designed for busy physicians like yourself who don't have time for an MBA but still want to be a better version of yourself. Trust me, the program gets you in focus from day one. So get those skills needed to lead a hospital or start a new venture. You're always going to ensure that there's an open seat waiting for you at the table. Don't miss this opportunity because class is filling up. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B.
1: It's not like we do these things blindly either. I mean, we do a lot of research. And so we're very confident in our decisions. You know, It's like investing. When you invest with knowledge, you invest with confidence. And that's why a lot of people, they start on an investment plan and they kind of jump around because they haven't really put together a plan that is well-researched, that they're going to stick with confidence. When we developed these plans to even retire abroad in Portugal, we did a lot of research. We took four trips to Portugal. We never spent less than two weeks here. We researched healthcare. We researched schools. We did all of these things. So when people talk to us about, oh, why did you guys choose Portugal? Is it this? Is it that? You know, we have answers to those questions, but we find that they have these questions because they don't have any knowledge about Portugal or about the processes here. So yeah, it's what Christina says. When we make these decisions, we make them with a lot of confidence because we've done all the research.
3: Yeah, I think that's really important. And it's funny because one of the things that Christina said was, you know, like, we're not asking, you know, your permission. <laughs> I am so like that. You know, I think <laughs> I'm like <laughs> well, I'm not really asking you if I can do it. We're doing it and we're just sharing this information with you.
0: As you said that, one of my next questions was how important is other people's opinion, you know, in this? And as soon as you said, I was like, well, let me scratch that off.
3: Scratch <laughs> <laughs> that question, right? We beat you it, Right. Absolutely. Absolutely you know knowing all of the things that you know that you've done so far i guess my question now comes to in terms of your children right you have two beautiful children two girls how are they feeling about this because you know it sounds like they've grown up in quite a few countries right and how are they feeling about this journey
2: yeah very this very is rich their
3: journey <laughs> <You> i know <laughs>
2: right this is the third country that they've lived in so they lived in spain they lived in Japan, and now they're living here in Portugal. And you know, like I said, I had never traveled abroad until grad school. Mm-hmm. They were born in Japan. They've spent more time abroad than they have stateside. Oh, really? And they are just fearless children that are open to change. When we told them, "Hey, we're going to retire. We're going to move to Portugal," they were so excited. It wasn't. I don't want to leave. I don't want. I'm going to miss my friends. I mean, they still communicate with their friends in Japan. But it's this idea that they are so open and they are so really just agreeable to making changes and they can adapt so incredibly well. I mean, Sanoa plays on this basketball team here. Mel is on a swim team. They have already made tons of friends in a school that speaks Portuguese as their first language. But I mean, it's like, I think because of the experiences that they've had being overseas and adjusting to different cultures and different people, they're so mature for being, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're only 11 and 13 years old, but they have just taken this experience and just really run with it.
3: Wow. That's amazing because most kids, you know, that have not had that experience would be, you know, kind of taken aback by my friends, my this, my that, you know, the life that they know here only. So I think that's a wonderful experience that you're giving them. And it sounds like the kind of mindset thing that you were talking about, right? Because it really is about mindset. It sounds like you're shaping their mindsets, you know, for in the future to be very amenable to just kind of different scenarios that life doesn't necessarily have to look like this one thing that everyone says that it looks like. At some point, they can make their decision as to what life is going to look like. Exactly. And
1: I want to add to this because, okay, our kids are international kids and people may be in this situation where they've raised their children in the U.S. and they're considering maybe taking their children abroad and they're afraid, well, you know, our kids aren't very international. They would go to this new country and be in culture shock. Well, I think parents set really low expectations for their children when they say things like that because we've encountered so many families that have come abroad for the first time and they brought kids that are really small all the way up to teenagers. And kids adjust extremely well. They adjust better than their parents, especially here in Portugal. The way we have our kids' life set up is that they're already actively engaged in sports. They have all these opportunities. We make this experience seamless for them because, again, we've done the research. But kids make friends really easy. It's the adults that have the challenge. That's I mean, so true. if someone is concerned about bringing their kids overseas for any particular reason, I think those are probably doubts that they have about themselves they're deflecting those same issues onto their
3: children. Yeah, very true, I think.
0: You know, I wanted to ask you a question from a standpoint of naysayers, since we're already on that kind of frame already where what kind of effect would it have on your children? And you already have an answer for that, and they're adjusting really well. But I wanted to kind of ask some questions to you, like some naysayer type questions to you, people who always have an excuse. You know, let's say they were asking you some questions, and I wanted to get your thought process, your answer as to you know, if I was to ask you this question, what would you say then? And I think we've already kind of covered the whole children's section already. You guys got that cold. But if someone were to ask you, like, in order for you guys to do this, yeah, Aman and Christine are able to do this, mainly because they have a lot of money. Is that true? Like, do you need a lot of money, a ton of money to achieve financial independence?
2: I love that you asked this question. You know, we get so much support on our YouTube channel, but then we also do get the naysayers that say, oh, yeah, they have, you know, however much money they throw out, whatever number seems a lot to them. And the idea is really, you know, we were government employees. We're federal government employees. It's not like we were making huge, massive amounts of money. And even, you know, people that have lower incomes, it's not really about how much money you make, right? You can get to financial independence by making more or saving more, but it's about your expenses too. What are your expenses in the future and how do you anticipate, how do you project what your expenses are going to be? And live off of those, right? So it's not like, you know, if someone makes less money. They're not going to make financial independence if they're balling out of control. Just like someone who makes a lot of money isn't going to do the same thing. It's about setting your expenses and living off of those expenses. So people do not need to have a huge income in order to reach financial independence. It's absolutely not necessary. It's creating a budget figuring out what your financial independence number is, and then making moves to get to that number. There's stories of people who have done it off of very, very small salaries. It's just about lifestyle. It's about not trying to keep up with the Joneses. When you have more money that comes in, you don't allow for lifestyle creep. You just are making steps day by day. And again, mindset. You don't say, oh, these people did it because they make however much money and I don't make that amount. You can definitely do it without being a high earner.
1: And it doesn't happen overnight. I think when most people think about, you know, what it takes to get to financial independence, it's actually a pretty long road. You know, it takes eight to 10 years of being very consistent. But if you do something consistently for that amount of time, you'll see the rewards. And for us, it was financial independence because we had this goal, too. You know, we set this goal. So, yes, it's about expenses. It's about earning more money. But it's also just about having a plan and sticking to to the plan. Because along this journey, we could have messed up the whole plan by doing something very irresponsible. You know, we could have went out and bought another BMW X5. And yeah,
0: I saw that video. That's
1: where we were when we first started this journey. You know, we had these luxury cars. We're eating out every day at lunch. We were spending a ton of money, but we just made little changes, and those little changes equated to money that we could move into our investments. And so when people are on this financial independence journey, especially when they start out and they're overspending and they're not being very good stewards with their money, if they can make these slight changes, they're even better off moving towards this journey. And I really like it when people that have paid off debt in a short amount of time Because like you guys, if you guys can pay off $600,000 in that amount of time, you can use that same energy and effort to invest towards financial independence and you'll get to financial independence even faster because debt doesn't have the same return real estate or stocks have, right? It's more of a mentality thing. But investing in the stock market or real estate with that same level of effort, you'll be a financial
0: independence in no time. What about naysayers who say, okay, yeah, like, I can't do this living in the United States. Is the key that you were out of the country or that you're in the country, does that even matter? Can you get FI while in the United States? Another great question.
2: (laughs) So for us, we're from the San Francisco Bay Area. And so when we talk on our channel, it's expensive. And when we talk about developing your financial independence number, you do it off of your expected expenses when you retire. And so for us, we had different areas where we wanted to retire. And one of them was going back home to the Bay Area. So we actually projected our expenses based off of returning to the Bay Area. So we could easily not live here and move to the San Francisco Bay Area and still be retired because we use that number. So we tell people, if you have multiple places where you want to retire, choose the most expensive place because now by choosing San Francisco, The cost of living here in Portugal is so much lower, but we are not containing ourselves to Portugal. Because if we use Portugal as our anticipated expense, we'd never be able to go back home if we we wanted to. We We wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah, we achieve financial independence at the Bay Area price. And now we just are in Portugal. But if we decide, for example, if the girls go to school in California and we ever want to go back to school in California for college with the girls we can easily just pick up and move back to San Francisco if we wanted to.
3: That's a really great strategy, actually. I hadn't even thought about that. You know, just kind of doing almost kind of tiered FI. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you get to that point where you're like, oh, I can retire and move to Thailand. And then oh I could retire and move to Portugal. Then oh, you know, it's gonna take longer if I want to retire and move yeah. to the area. But it's like, you know what, we're gonna hold out, we're gonna go for this higher number because we won't be limited at any place where we want to go after this if we ever
1: decide to move. Yeah. I and mean, we always tell people to plan for the optimum financial independence, right? What is your ideal situation? You know, you don't want to skimp on retirement. If we would have retired earlier, let's say we would have picked Thailand as our financial independence number, then could we ever leave Thailand? I mean, Thailand is a wonderful place, but maybe we don't want to spend the rest of our lives there. But if our financial independence number is based off of that, we either have to stay there or go back to work or, you know, We don't have as many options.
2: Yeah. So that was a bit of a tangent, but the answer is, you know, we have numbers where we could retire in the Bay Area. So it's definitely achievable to retire early and retire in the States.
0: Now, a lot of our listeners, they are graduating with a ton of student loan debt, living, sometimes some of them may live paycheck to paycheck, depending on how they handle their finances. I'm really interested in people who have really high student loan debt. I know you did a video on that. What's your advice on how to you know, properly balance investing versus paying off debt?
2: Well, I think Dr. Renee hit it on the head when she was saying, mentally, you, know, you guys had a 600000 plus form of debt and it was just weighing on you. So you had paid off, right? So if you look at the numbers, you can easily run the numbers and see which one makes more sense, right? You figure out where you are in your loan cycle, how much further you have in your loan, how much principal you're paying versus how much interest you're paying. It varies because it's amortized. And then you look at your return if you were to invest in real estate or if you were to invest in the stock market, right? If the numbers make sense, then real estate or stock market may weigh heavier than paying off debt. But then there's also this mental component, right? So maybe you'll run the numbers. Numbers make sense that if you invest in the stock market, you'll have a bigger return than paying off your debt, the interest that's accumulating on your debt. But for people that have this weight on them, which is like, we don't like debt either, right? It's just this weight that you have. If you have debt and you feel like you want to pay it off, if you're more motivated to pay off your debt than to invest, doesn't matter what the numbers are. You should go with your debt and pay off your debt. And what I love about what you guys said about paying off you know, the $600,000 over a three-year period is that once you have that motivation, you pay off all that debt, Then you have all that money that you are using towards Mm -hmm. your debt to switch over and start moving it to investments. Mm -hmm. So it's really like, yeah, you can run the numbers and you can figure out what makes better sense, but it all comes down to what keeps you motivated. Because again, you can pay off your debt or you can invest, but either one is great. I mean, if you could pay off all your debt, that's wonderful. If you can invest, that's wonderful. Once you pay off your debt, just switch to investing. So it's finding out what motivates you and staying on that path.
0: Yeah, I think we definitely took the latter approach, which it was more like a visceral, emotional pain point for us. We're both from the New York, New Jersey area. So we're completely on the opposite coast from where you all are from. And we couldn't live in that area. Mm -hmm. And we're really close to our family. We're first generation immigrants. And we couldn't be close to our family at all. So having to drive five to six hours to get to see family like on a monthly basis, was just too much. And that's when we just said, you know what, like we got to pay off this debt because that's the biggest thing that's holding us back. So Dr. Renee, I think looking back, we probably should have been a little bit more mathematical with it. <laughs> the way <laughs> <with> the, <laughs> Christina <laughs> have mentioned, but we were just so, it was such a pain point to not be close to family that we we're like, we got to get out of this, you know, in no time. So.
2: Right. I mean, it's like, okay, you pay off your debt And that's the motivation, right? Being next to family, being closer to family, like investing, growing your investment, that's not going to help you get to your family right away, right? So go with what motivates you. Your family motivates you. Then you pay off that debt and now you can focus on investment and be with your family. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm interested to know, like, so the way how you guys look at things, do you guys look at this like being fire now? Do you look at it almost like as the finish line? And the reason why I ask that is, is there technically a finish line for you or is it like, Are you guys truly retired or are you doing something else entrepreneurial? It's just that you kind of doing things on your own terms.
2: Yeah, I mean, for us, we are truly retired. And because I'm on said, we have all these contingencies, we really think things out. And so for us, the idea is that we need to reach our fire number to sustain us. And we weren't ready to retire until we reached the number that we wanted to reach. In terms of whether there's an end plan or not, it's like, Yeah, we met that goal, but the plan is to enjoy our retirement, enjoy our time with our kids. It's just another phase of life. So some people have asked us like, what do you do when you retire? (laughs) Why (laughs) would you want to retire? You're going to be so bored. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, there's so much to do. There's so much to create. There's so much to time that you can spend with your kids, with your family, your spouse. It doesn't just stop. You reach retirement and you're like, I'm going to sleep in until noon. I'm going to play video games all day. It's just another phase where you can still be productive and go out and enjoy life without having that anxiety of, oh my gosh, I have to get up and go to work tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. you wake up and you're like, I don't really care what day it is because... Every day Exactly. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we're not bored at all. We are constantly moving. We're constantly busy. We have so many activities and hobbies. We're constantly writing. We love to write. So we've been doing a lot
0: of writing. We've been doing a lot of development. I noticed more of your YouTube channel. Your YouTube videos are coming out.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And actually, we haven't been as diligent with our YouTube videos because we've had so many other things that we've been getting involved in. We thought we were going to be doing like two or three YouTube videos a week, but we have just been too busy doing other things. <laughs> that question always surprises me. That people feel like they have to fill their time with a commute to work, with sitting at a desk, with meetings. I don't know. To me, I dreaded those things. Right? I would much rather be outside, you know, in nature. Like today, we went up to the mountains. Today, we hiked. We met with other people. I mean, we do things constantly. One thing that we saw today is we saw a lot of tour groups when we were out at this particular site and all of the tour groups were elderly retirees. I mean, they were in their seventies and eighties, right? And they were at that point where they could finally go out and do something. But at the same time, in a way, it was actually kind of sad because they weren't as mobile as we are. You know, we can hike all the way to the top of the mountain and see the view and we can do it on our own. We don't need any assistance. We can still be very adventurous. So one of the things that early retirement has given us, it has given us like the ability to do things a lot sooner than what most people.
3: You know, Aman, you said something that I was thinking, but you put it definitely more eloquently. It's that, you know, there is this notion that it is abnormal to want to live life Mm -hmm. at a young age, that you have to wait to live life until you hit this you know, this magic number of 65 when you might not be as healthy, you might not be as mobile. And so, you know, for us, you know, we are kind of in the fire movement as well. You know, that's one of our goals is to be able to see the world, spend time with our kids, travel more with our children, you know, let our children see that, you know, living in the United States is not the only way that people live, that people live all kinds of different ways. You know, people live lavishly, people live impoverished. And, you know, it's so important for us to be able to have those experiences so much earlier in life than at age 65 and up.
0: Now, I want to ask you guys, like, I started off by congratulating you all on getting the Plutus nominations. Like, why do you think your channel has grown so quickly in popularity?
1: We were thinking about that the other day, actually, because we're almost,
0: we're almost at 100,000 subscribers.
1: And this is something that we were not expecting. And our channel has not gotten a lot of, I guess, national fanfare. You know, we haven't been featured in any major writings. We read articles all the time about couples that retire early. I think what's kind of unique about our channel and our story is that it's very grassroots. Like, people can really relate our story, but it's not that flashy, right? It's very simple. And most people can sit down, watch our videos and say, wait a minute, this is a very straightforward process. If they can do it, we can do it. So I think our journey has resonated with a lot of people because it's actually very practical what we did. You know, we were government employees. We didn't make a lot of money. So people see that and then they start to listen. And the information that we provide we provide a lot of detail in our videos. Oh, yes. we do, yeah. Because we see YouTube as a how-to platform, like how to do things. So if we just kind of talked about something that was theoretical, I don't think people could really relate to it. That's why we open up our accounts. That's why we show people exactly how we invest. That's why we show people exactly how we renovated all of the side hustles that we've done. When people can see something, and we're visual learners, so people can learn from something They keep coming back and they share our information. That is what has been so amazing is that people will reach out to us because someone else told them about one of our videos and then we always answer questions. You know, one of the things is we've had videos that have gotten 300,000 views and we will answer 1,600 questions. Wow. Right. So we are very engaged in our community and I think our community is very loyal.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have to admit, when I found you guys all in January, there were a lot of things that you were doing with your own investing that I was like, wow, I wish we could do that also. So, you know, particularly the videos on dividends, you know, how to invest on your own, particularly using Robinhood and obviously with individual index funds, that was for me the most powerful ones. And then once I started going back into all your other videos, I mean, I was just fascinated. I wish I had found out about you all sooner. So I just wanted to say congratulations on what you all doing. This is amazing. Now, my question that I also have now is, you know, there are going to be some people who are listening to this show who have never heard of you all before, who are just discovering you for the first time through this podcast. Is there a video that you recommend if they were to find your YouTube channel that you recommend that they watch first?
2: Oh, that's a good question.
1: That's good because we have over 100 videos. And when we started making videos, we would make videos that, you know, someone would ask us a question and we would do a video. So there's no linear structure to our videos, because if there's something you want to learn, we looked at it as like, okay, if you want to learn about HSAs, we have a video for that. You know, that's where you're at in your investment journey. So it really depends on where someone is at in their journey. We get a lot of people to say, I just binge on all of your videos. And (laughs) in a way, that's kind of dangerous. because A lot of information. (laughs) <laughs> like you will be going in so many different directions. But I think if you were going to start with the video, start with the video that we retired at 39, our retirement video, because it talks about a lot of the things that we did to be able to get to the retirement point. And in that video, we reference all of the other videos. So just kind of skim through and if you see something that interests you, there's something you want to learn about, watch that video. And if there's something that's not there, you can always ask us and more likely we'll make a video for it.
2: Yeah, we also have playlists. So we have it sort of grouped. You know, we have people that are really interested in the stock market investment aspect of our journey. And then other people are just really interested in real estate. Other people are just interested in the general journey or living abroad or getting a job abroad or different traveling hacks or living rent and mortgage free. It's all in different playlists. So. If people feel like they want to start learning about something in particular, one little aspect of our channel, then they can start with a playlist too and sort of narrow it down that way. Watch the videos in that particular playlist that they're interested in, and then move on to the next playlist.
0: Oh, I know exactly what I wanted to ask you guys earlier. I forgot to ask this question. (laughs) What books did you use to kind of start when you started this journey? Because I remember you started mentioning about being able to educate yourself. And once you had that education and you understood what your plan was with your investing, you guys were able to keep a straight path as opposed to jumping all over the place. So if you could let us know, like what kind of resources or books did you use through this process?
2: Well, there's so many books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One that we haven't actually really talked about, it was like probably our very first book when we first graduated was the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, right? Ah, It's like, I love that book. Yeah, right. It doesn't give you like this specific, do this, do this, do this. But like, it creates this mindset of like, wow, there's this avenue towards making money in real estate. And, you know, it gives you this mindset of like, okay, you know, when we first got into real estate, it was right after we graduated from college and we had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it was like this idea that, Hey, we don't have to wait until we're 30 plus years Mm to own our first home. But I think that's what started getting us in this mindset. That was the very first book. And then we have what I really love is The Intelligent Investor. I feel like oh. I should be a spokesman for this. No. <laughs> <laughs> because I tell everyone, I'm like, if you are interested in real estate, read this book. You know, it was written by Warren Buffett's mentor. The ideas that it puts behind in terms of stock market investment is just, there's so much information in there. And again, I really love the book because again, it focuses on mindset. And it talks about what your mindset should be when the stock market crashes. You should be having a party. You should love this, you know, which is not common for most people that invest short term in the market or don't feel comfortable investing in the market. So I really, really love that book. And then we also do the-
1: The Bogleheads. Bogleheads. Yeah.
2: yeah. There's like a series yeah. of those books. Those, those books, are really books are written in easier format than Intelligent Investor. Intelligent Investor, if that's your first book, it's a little difficult to get through but The Boglehead's like super easy. You can read one of his books in like two hours and it gives you just very clear insight into investing in the stock market. Yeah, I love the Freakonomics books. It's not about investing at all, actually, but these books are about economics and numbers and each different chapter in the book is about something different. I mean, it's all about economics and numbers, but it's just, different things to sort of think about things differently. And there's a series of books through Freakonomics. And I loved it so much. I had like the girls read it. (laughs) And so the girls were telling me things from the book, like, oh, did you know this is because of this or this is because of this? And I was like, that's so cool. Like they're not just reading it, they're understanding it and they're applying it to just life and the world in general. So that's sort of rambling a bunch off and sort of figure out what you're interested in. But those are are the books we really recommend.
0: These resources will definitely be in the show notes. So thank you very much for letting us know about this. So, well, I just wanted to say once again, thank you again for coming on Docs Outside the Box. And I just want to congratulate you all on being financially independent, retire early. And then also at the same time, I just wanted to just acknowledge you all for taking the time out to really document your journey. Sometimes I think it's really hard you know, when you create something and you put it out there, at least from a digital standpoint, you really don't know who you're affecting, right? And I just want to say that there's no doubt that I know that you guys have changed a lot of people's perspective. And you may be helping a lot of people to really change their family trees with this different thought process. So I just wanted to say thank you very much. It's really affected me and my wife's standpoint on things. And you never know. In a couple of years, hopefully, you may be able to join you all also. Oh, thank you. Thank
2: yeah, you so we'd much. love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, like lattes on you guys, right?
2: <laughs> right here, yeah. we'll pull out our you know sixty cents.
0: Yeah. And I don't need a haircut, so. <laughs> thank you again, Christina and Amon. Thank, nice
2: so thank you so much.